Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrency production is exclusively for informational purposes. for Cryptocurrent. I am Stephen Miller, and you are watching the Aftershock, the show where we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of Web3. Today, I'm joined by my new co-host, Chris Corneros. Chris, how are we doing? Doing great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So as you may, uh, I guess, recognize Chris, he is the host of our Crypto Decrypted Basics series that we drop every week. But he was also my temp co-host while Richard was out of town for um, his honeymoon following his uh, wedding. So Chris is back today for a quick stop by to cover some of the crypto news. Um, But we are going to jump right into things today and talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the world of Web3, the only way that we know how, and that is in buy, sell, or hodl. Buy, sell, or hodl. So in buy, sell, or hodl, we break down whether we think the news is bullish, bearish, or just a little bit hodly, where you want to just take a look and see what develops. In our first story this week, we have a piece out of Meta, of course. That is, of course, Facebook, for those that are wondering. Meta is exploring a non-blockchain-based virtual currency at the moment, and employees are jokingly calling it Zuckbucks. Um, it couldn't get much more farcical than that, Chris, but that's just my personal opinion of it, right? Oh, yeah. Checks out for everything he's done since they switched to Meta. Couldn't be more true. Tell me about this next one. Yeah, so Senator Toomey proposed clarification to the stablecoin definitions. Um, says that stablecoins aren't securities. Good thing. So they shouldn't be under the SEC's jurisdiction. And as we all know here, the SEC hasn't always been the greatest of allies to crypto. So this is a win in my book. Furthermore, he says the banking framework cannot be applied to crypto. Another great piece of news and a lot of common sense coming out of the US government right now. Um, Steve, any thoughts on this? The biggest one that I have is that Senator Patsumi is technically in his final term as a senator for the state of uh, Pennsylvania, I believe. So we discussed this a little bit on our Thursday Twitter space. For those that are not aware, we do a live Twitter space every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And one of the things that we broke down last week was this piece of news, Um, namely because it's interesting that he's putting this forward right now at a time when the midterm elections are kind of coming upon us. And they're about to start discussing who it is that's going to take over for him in the future. I think that it is a move that is not only ballsy on his part, but it is going directly in the face of what you know a lot of other anti-stablecoin legislators like Elizabeth Warren have been saying. So I would love to see this actually gain traction, but we're going to have to see how this one develops in the Senate. Our next piece of news comes from Grayscale. Grayscale, as you know, has a bunch of these um, larger holding 
uh, platforms like GBTC and um, GETH that they sell as a um, kind of quasi-security. So it's your way of buying a registered version of Bitcoin, typically at a premium or, premium or a discount. Well, they've announced that they're officially adding Avalanche, Polkadot, Cosmos, all three to their portfolio. They may be rolling forward with um, individual funds for those in the future. But as they move those forward, they actually have removed both SushiSwap and Synthetics Network from their holdings. Interesting development there. But Chris, tell me about the next piece. Yeah, so Bolt, uh, for those who don't know, but I believe Bolt is... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but Bolt is a uh, essentially an online kind of checkout vendor. That's what they develop. Yeah, they call themselves a shopping network. Okay, yes. So interestingly enough, I know someone who works here. She's really good at her job, as is their CEO, who was on Forbes 30 Under 30 last year. And they are acquiring the crypto infrastructure provider Wire for $1.5 billion, which is a, a lot of money for a startup to be offering in an acquisition. So Bolt clearly doing things well. But this is going to be really interesting. Um, and I'm not sure if you remember, Steve, but I think we talked about it about maybe 2 or 3 months ago now with all of these other payment platforms like Stripe kind of coming forward, enabling potentially crypto payments for their customers this is a kind of this is a piece of news that i see in a similar vein right you have a shopping network that is now going to be partnering with a crypto infrastructure provider which can only mean they're looking to web3 maybe not for all of their business but at least to enable some functionality down the line yeah look this is a really big move in my opinion and we've already had on to the show a one of the co-founders uh, who moved on to a bigger project um, of Wire and Wire really is a massive deal. You know they are a fantastic crypto on ramp. You can currently use Wire in any MetaMask or most other um, third third party wallets that you can use within the Ethereum network to just add Ethereum or add um, Polygon or you know whatever asset you need at any given moment. But that they're going to be integrated with into the Bolt ecosystem now is really quite astounding. Now, we're going to get into a much bigger story in our Aftershock segment in a little bit. So I don't want to get too deep into this one in terms of payment networks. But um, this is a big move. So don't underestimate it. Our next piece of news comes from a company called HiveMapper. Now, I'm including this one because I think Chris is going to love it. HiveMapper has officially announced they've raised $18 million to build a decentralized Google Maps on Solana. Now, I'm not only saying that you'll like this, Chris, because it's built on Solana. <laughs> I'm telling you that you're going to like this because HiveMapper aims to reward its users for capturing data via dash cams. Now, nice. what does that sound like to you? Sounds it's, like this decentralized Internet of Things crypto project that rewards users for having wireless hotspots where they say they are. So that is exactly what I'm telling you about. <laughs> um, HiveMapper's entire model was actually inspired by Helium. And that is one of Chris's favorite cryptocurrencies. I think it's one of the more ambitious plays right now because we've not really seen a lot of mapping technology been brought over to the decentralized space. I think a lot of the companies that work in this realm have kind of already conceded that Apple Maps and Google Maps are kind of the forerunners and that they don't want really to mess around with it much anymore. But this is a really novel take on it. And it's starting to put the, you know, the cars that you see rolling around mapping streets, giving new um, live street update pictures onto our um, Google Maps platforms and Apple Maps platforms. Data, this is the HiveMapper method is 
decentralizing the entire thing. So as Chris rolls down the street with a hive mapper dash cam in his computer or in his uh, car, I say computer because I imagine that you're probably going to own a Tesla in the next five to 10 minutes. <laughs> the dash cams are recording everything and they're mapping live. Um, I think it's a really interesting and novel piece of tech, uh, but I'm curious to see how it actually rolls out and how adoption works with it personally. Yeah, absolutely. So talking then, about the last one. Yeah, so finally, Truflation uh, is going to be building a censorship-resistant inflation index on Link. And for a lot of you, this may seem like a, you know, a piece of news and you're thinking, why should I care? Well, this is a really good thing because it you know, is actually way more in line with, I think, the original goal of cryptocurrencies, which is a decentralized, secure, yet transparent financial system. And by removing censorships from things like an inflation index, which is incredibly important, it's going to give you know, not just crypto users, but consumers in every industry more agency to you know, make smarter financial decisions with their daily purchases or maybe with some larger purchases that are affected heavily by inflation. And look, at the end of last week, we had this, the CPI announcement for what inflation looks like right now. And it couldn't have just been more further than just a fluffing piece of news. Um, you know, The Fed is clearly manipulating that data just to make you feel a little bit better that you can still go out and purchase things. But if you want to get a better look at like what inflation looks like today, a lot of people are lost on where to look. So this, to me, is the natural progression of it. It's taking it out of the hands of your regulators who want you to vote with your dollar, right? This is their way of bringing it back under a more transparent lens. If you ask me right now, the only way to really judge inflation is by looking at the housing market. But that's another story for a much different podcast, right? So oh, yeah. let's, move, let's move into last week in the metaverse where we got a number of great stories we want to run through for you. First of which is um, a gaming story. So Epic Games has announced they've closed a $2 billion raise to build its metaverse. Now, Epic Games, as Chris will tell you, is the uh, company behind Fortnite, which is huge. But to me, the bigger deal behind this piece of news is that the company that led this round is actually Sony. So to see that they could theoretically be in league together makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But it also makes me feel really good that more and more of the entertainment world is starting to buy into the metaverse. Chris, do you have any take on it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, with Sony, it makes a lot of sense for them to get in on this because they're probably terrified of Microsoft right now. Microsoft has just like basically said, oh, you still think you're a competitor with us in gaming and then said, okay, and bought half of the gaming industry literally within the last six months. And actually, I think one of the last times I was on the Aftershock, Steve, we talked about how you know, down the line, I can fully see Microsoft just fully hard committing to a metaverse because they have access to so much intellectual property that you could explore and interact with their metaverse and never need another one. So this is, you know, Sony investing in this development, right, at Epic Games makes perfect sense. And it also makes sense for Epic Games because like you can see on the slide right now, if you're watching with us on YouTube, Fortnite... And Epic Games also has a lot of access to different intellectual properties, you know, both within and without the gaming space. So definitely want to watch this and see it develop. But this is going to be, you know, good. Competition can only breed more innovation in the long run. 
No question about that. And look, it's definitely worth mentioning. But as this continues to develop, the IP wars in the metaverse, it's just beginning. So stay vigilant, stay on top of the news with this one for sure. It's an interesting piece. Um, Speaking of which, Starbucks and ESPN, two other fantastically large brands, have announced they plan to independently drop NFTs in 2022. ESPN went on to also add that they will be partnering with Autograph and, um, you know, Autograph's primary owner, Tom Brady, uh, to drop an NFT series of their own. So it's interesting to see larger brands get into the space always, but that's going to drive us into another big old world provider jumping into the Web3 space, and that is Tiffany's. So Tiffany's um, or Tiffany & Co, for those that are you know preferring more formalized names, Tiffany's is beginning production of custom CryptoPunk pendants. I don't know how you feel about this one, Chris, but I love it. I th- I think it was one of the most like in the moment laugh out loud moments of my last week. Just seeing that they were willing to do like a CryptoPunk in rose gold and then gemstones to kind of outline exactly what the details and traits were, but you know, I mean, it's it's a neat little piece of adoption. I I think it's genius. Because they are going to make a ton of money as a jeweler from this. But it also further incentivizes and kind of rewards holders of CryptoPunks, right? You know, that's been my biggest gripe with a lot of NFT projects is, yeah, okay, the art looks cool. And then it stops there. But as we've been covering the last you know month at the very least, but honestly, since we started the Aftershock is, you know, Yuga Labs in particular, which now owns CryptoPunk, um, has done a great job of late providing more than just the art, right? They're building a community and kind of a, a, we can call it a Soho club on steroids of these high profile NFT owners. And so I think this is a really smart move because it just further adds that value. Now it's no longer just a picture you can say you own. You have a literal one of one pendant from Tiffany's as well. Yep. So again, Tiffany's is not producing every single CryptoPunk in this new uh, pendant series. It really is on a first-come, first-served basis. And um, you have to prove that you have ownership over the pendant itself. Sorry, the NFT that is being made into the pendant. Uh, but it is still a move forward. Um, so the next piece I think is really cool. Chris, talk to us a little bit about it. So OpenSea, this has actually been a rumor for a while, but OpenSea is now going to be supporting Solana NFT collections in an open beta on their platform. And it's something that you know we've been hearing rumblings of for months and months now. I think since you know sometime early in the fall is when we first heard about it. And then it's kind of ebbed and flow since. Not much has come out. And now it has just kind of set in stone. And this is a huge deal. And I cannot stress this enough. Because unlike Ethereum, Solana's energy requirements and the impact of minting NFTs, trading them, is far less. So if this turns out to be successful, it's actually going to boost all NFTs because it shows that there's a more sustainable future with their purchase and sales. And see, I I guess for me, I'm looking at it more on the perspective of how this impacts other exchanges. And it was the next natural step in progression with NFT sales on OpenSea, right? It was the next large-scale ecosystem that had already rolled out NFTs, has stellar adoption on it. But it immediately starts putting pressure on platforms like Coinbase NFT that aren't even out yet. 
Mm-hmm. It puts pressure on XYDX. It puts pressure on looks rare. It puts pressure on, on gem.xyz. It puts pressure on genie because we need to see faster innovation in this space. That's just very, very clear at this point. I mean, but this also just followed the news of OpenSea integrating with MoonPay so that you could start purchasing you know, with your credit card. So a lot of stuff is starting to happen very quickly in the NFT space. And I think that, again, we're just at the beginning of this. Um, saw a stat right before the, sh- before the show regarding um, Solana NFT sales on OpenSea. Any, any type of guess as to how much volume they've done in the first week? First week, uh, 100 million. So they've done 2 million in the first okay. week. That was a bit ambitious there. A little ambitious, but I won't ever fault you for it. So let's jump into this next piece. Um, Genie, who we just mentioned, is another NFT um, marketplace, not necessarily on the Ethereum network, but built for Ethereum NFTs. They've officially integrated rarity rankings for the top 1,000 NFT collections. This is another piece of like that style of news that I was just telling you about. They need to keep innovating. They need to keep pushing forward. A lot of these different um, gateways and uh, marketplaces for NFTs, they don't do this. So mm-hmm. Genie is actually following the lead of gem.xyz, which is my personal preferred NFT marketplace at this point. And by adding in these rarity features and tracking exactly which NFTs are more rare than others, it's going to allow the marketplace to find a more fair way of valuing each individual NFT from one another. So I personally really like this piece of news just as an NFT collector. Collector, But Chris, I'm going to toss it over to you for this next one of one piece. Yeah. So Cosmo de Medici, those who don't know, a very mysterious figure within the crypto, but more specifically NFT space, is dropping a $1 million uh, NFT called On Life and Death. And if you are watching on YouTube, it looks pretty good in my opinion. So this is actually... I should have been a little bit more clear in the way that we put this piece together. Um, this is not Cosmo de Medici dropping an NFT. This is him dropping a million dollars on an NFT. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So this, this was put out by the artist DK Motion, um, who's done some really phenomenal pieces over time. Cosmo owns a couple of these different pieces from him. They're all animated um, and looped NFTs. But this specific one, um, I had a lot of fun watching. I recommend you go up to DK Motion um, on Twitter. That's D-E-E-K-A-Y Motion. And you can play through a couple of them. He's a really phenomenal motion graphic artist. Um, But the fact that this was a million dollar sale is pretty wild, in my opinion. That's got to be one of the biggest NFT transactions in a while, right? Um, In a while, for sure. Um, Especially because things are currently a little bit bearish. But um, yeah, 310 ETH is nothing to turn your nose up at. Not at all. And I'm sure the gas was even crazier. <laughs> um, you'd be surprised right now, man. It's actually been pretty good. Um, I think the mo- most transactions have been running around 45 to 50 guay. That's not bad. Nope. At all. Trust me, be- being an NFT buyer right now does not hurt that much. <laughs> so let's jump to the next piece. And that's that Neo Tokyo and Boss Beauties, two of the bigger, more prominent NFT communities as of the current moment, have both decided to relinquish control to their respective DAOs. So this is a really bold move on their part. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of it throughout the summer. Um, this is just the first couple sets of NFT collections that have started to make these moves. And it's not so much that they're doing it. It's more a question of how they're doing it. 
Um, there are a lot of projects out there and a lot of people that are experts in DAO formation and structuring that will tell you that you have to be doing this a certain right way right now. Otherwise, you're going to get into big, big trouble. So I hope for their sake that they figured it out and they've consulted the right attorneys um, because I don't want to see them get in trouble. Chris, this is the piece that I've, I've wanted to share with you for a lot of time now. Jeff Koons, you may have heard of his name. He is probably one of the most preeminent artists of our time. He has announced that he is going to be releasing NFTs that will literally land on the moon. How is that possible? Well, each of these 100 NFTs will be made into a physical sculpture. So you'll have both a digital version of it and a physical version of it. And it will be loaded onto a, a SpaceX rocket in partnership with SpaceX, flown to the moon, and placed on the moon. And you too can have your very own for $3 million a piece. Easy. Just, yeah. a, just a casual $300 million NFT collection. <laughs> well, I think I'm a little bit uh, too bold on that. Um, the, each of these NFTs, each of the, the 100 in this collection that it's going to be limited to, they are already all accounted for. Every single one of them has already been purchased. Yeah, but I'm not surprised. They're saying that each of these pieces um, on secondary market, as soon as like they're actually formally put onto the blockchain, could be selling for as much as like 10x the initial oh, price. I, I'm sure we're going to see one go for like... Well, Be Beeple's piece sold for 60 million at Christie's? Yep, I think that's right. I think we'll see maybe one or two that go up to at least that much. Because rich, rich people are going to want to say their NFT is on the moon. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised in the slightest. But like, look, Jeff Koons really is one of the top artists of this current generation. Um, I, I don't know many people who would, I guess, step back at the opportunity to own a piece from Jeff Koons. So um, if you're interested in this, there's a lot of coverage on it out there. Let's catch on to the last piece in um, Metaverse news, which is a really big one. Um, as you know, Metaverse is not necessarily the safest place in the world. There have been a lot of rug pulls in the recent memory. But there is a brand new ERC-721 standard that is aiming to move the market from rugs to refunds. It's called the ERC-721R. Um, I think it's a really interesting innovation in the space. I personally have a couple of questions about it that I need to get answered. But it's worth being on your radar at home so that you can stay up to date on the newest developments in the NFT space. So Chris, out of all of these stories, is there any one to you that kind of really speaks to you this week? I mean, you know me. Epic Games loved, loved that story. I love the Tiffany's one. But honestly, the news about that new ERC-721 token, I think is the biggest story but like you were saying, depending on what we learn, because, you know, as we talk about a lot on all of our content here at CryptoCurrent is one of the major complaints with crypto or what detractors like to use to go after it is that it's used for criminal activity or it's just scams and investors aren't protected. But if this is well executed and protects investors while still being decentralized and secure and transparent, this could actually solve a lot of problems in just every aspect of crypto and really help push crypto adoption forward at a much, much, much faster pace. 
Yeah, I think it would be a really great move um, if this does get mass adopted. But we're going to have to see how it evolves because there's a lot of people out there that are trying to iterate and innovate and put their own spin on the ERC-721 contract. You've seen um, the ERC-721A from the Azuki um, NFT group. Um, that was a really brilliant way of minimizing gas fees. Um, there is an, a 721H that's currently in development. I know of another one, but I can't remember the actual letter. But you're going to continue to see these types of iterations on top of 721 going forward. And I think that the more that you see it, the better you know that the space is going to be in a much more positive direction than we've seen it in the past. Because people are constantly wanting to improve upon what we already have. So time will tell, but let's go ahead and jump into the Aftershock, our biggest story of the week. The Aftershock. So Bitcoin, you may have heard of it. It had a huge week last week. Why would it have had a big week? Well, the Bitcoin conference for 2022 happened in Miami. There was a lot of news surrounding Bitcoin, and I think that most of it was underwhelming. But there was one story that kind of shined above the rest. So speaking of the rest, let's talk about it. In the rest news, um, we had five specific stories that we wanted to bring up to your attention. The first of which is that Lightning Labs officially raised $70 million to launch the Taro stablecoin on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. It's interesting because it's the very first stablecoin being launched to Lightning. It's also the first stablecoin being launched on top of Bitcoin. So again, depends on who you talk to. I personally think that a stablecoin on Bitcoin's network is a really brave move. And it is one that goes directly against the grain of everything else that we've seen. I don't think the stablecoin needs to exist only on a, a Web3 ecosystem. It can exist on Bitcoin's stable store of Blockchain. yeah store of value ecosystem, right? So talk to me about what you think about this one real quick. Not going to like this. I actually have a lot of thoughts about this because I didn't know this until right now, but I've actually been thinking about this a lot, right? And for those who don't know in Crypto to Crypto, I did a video breaking down you know, layer one blockchains, but also Bitcoin and what it is because it's the first true cryptocurrency. Unlike gold, which has intrinsic value, that's where supposedly fiat's you know, paper money gets its values, gold, it doesn't actually anymore. But gold is a precious metal, therefore valuable. Bitcoin, the argument for where its value comes from is that it's functionally, functionally valuable. It's secure, transparent, decentralized, and it's supposed to be able to move much faster than traditional financial systems. But my issue recently with Bitcoin is, as Michael Saylor buys hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars more in Bitcoin, it becomes less centralized or becomes less decentralized. And as a result, that kind of takes away from its functional value. This, on the other hand, adds back to that because essentially the way I assume this is going to work in practice is that this you know, stable Bitcoin or whatever they'll end up calling it is going to hopefully be a stable coin pegged to Bitcoin. And I think that's a good thing because then you'll be able to use Bitcoin or the stablecoin version as an actual currency in the way it was intended originally while having a true reserve currency on the digital uh, you know, in Web3. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that 
to me, the biggest benefit of the Lightning Network is the speed, right? Because Lightning Network is not just Bitcoin. It is Bitcoin, but at a much, much faster rate. It's batched Bitcoin. Completely agree. So to me, I think that this makes a lot of sense for stable coins. Um, But you're going to understand in a little bit why the Lightning Network is so important because the really big news is on the next piece, on the next slide. So let's run through these and we can get to the big piece. The UFC has announced that they're going to begin paying their fighters in Bitcoin fan bonuses. So may sound a little bit weird on its face, but based on how much a UFC fight draws in terms of fans, the fighters will get paid a bonus based on the number of fans that watch. So they've decided that they're going to officially be paying their fighters in Bitcoin for these fan bonuses going forward. Kind of an interesting development. Our our other piece of big news for Bitcoin is that Cash App is going to allow users to invest their paychecks directly into Bitcoin if you're getting paid directly through Cash App. Not a lot of businesses do this. So again, it's not like the biggest piece of news. Public Bitcoin mining companies now account for 19% of Bitcoin's total hash rate. Little bit bigger of news, right? It's yeah. it's it's finally starting to like scratch that interest in the back of your brain. Because again, you look at these three pieces, then you look at what we're talking about with Lightning, you know, announcing a stable coin. Stable coins on Lightning make a lot of, you know, excitement. These three, not so much. This one's actually just as of today. Issuers are rushing to launch short Bitcoin futures ETFs. What does that tell you? It tells you that a lot of people really want to short Bitcoin right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you could say it's not looking that great for you know Bitcoin, except for that first piece of news. I wanted to front load this because the real big piece of news, Chris, is this. During Bitcoin 2022, there was a, a big keynote that was led by Jack Mallers from none other than Strike. Strike's Jack Mallers decided to inform the world that they are officially rolling out an open payments rail over Lightning. A lot of people were speculating on this in the lead up because he started posting pictures like this one, where he's dressed in an Apple cap, flipping off a Chase ATM. For those of you at home that are listening and joining us via your favorite podcast platform, I highly recommend that you come over and join us on YouTube because this is the funniest picture I've seen in a minute. Um, It's a good one. You do not want to miss this. So the reason why this is a really big deal is because the payments world has not been disrupted in over 55 years. Okay, The last time that we saw true disruption was when you had card providers coming in and causing a stir with credit cards. But this announcement of an open payment rail over Lightning will instantaneously allow for 70 million Americans to convert Bitcoin to US dollars at a merchant's point of sale. Chris, I'm going to keep running through this one because I'm not sure if you were actually following this piece of news. Yeah, just keep rolling. This makes it the single biggest Bitcoin integration in history. So via Strike and via all of this develop, um, the development of an open payments rail, you can now integrate with Shopify. You can integrate Bitcoin payment with Blackhawk, who's behind the integration of Venmo and PayPal payments at CVS locations nationwide. And even into one of the largest point of sales um, software providers in the United States. 
and actually the world, as I came to find out afterward, and that's NCR. So all of these rails will be working through all of those retailers. So I'm going to back up for a second. The slide that they showed at the actual event was McDonald's, Walmart, Macy's, Circle K, Bed Bath & Beyond, Kroger, Chick-fil-A, Buffalo Wild Wings, Wendy's, Krispy Kreme, Tim Hortons, Red Robin, Chipotle, Firehouse Subs, Publix, CVS, Walgreens, Safeway, Aldi, Petco, Sparrow, Payway, Shipley's, Donuts, Ted's, Montana Grills, Starbucks, Texas Roadhouse, Northgate Market, Giant Eagle, which by the way, is, these are all supermarket grocers for anybody that may be listening from that world. You know, the individual easiest place that you would ever want to spend money, a grocer, Giant Eagle, Winn-Dixie, Wawa, Home Depot, Best Buy, Whole Foods, Lowe's, Staples, and Southeastern Grocers. Literally every major brand. Yeah, this is awesome. But like just, it's so stupid how on the nose this was. So this is going to basically be your way of paying using Bitcoin, but not just via the Cash App, not just via Moon Wallet where you can hold up the Moon Wallet and have the um, person at the point of sale, your cashier, scan a QR code with the little scan gun and initiate payment. But no. Chris, if you run a lightning node at your home and you're really big on privacy and security, you can pay directly via lightning node over Tor. For those who don't know that are listening or watching this, Tor or the Tor browser is how you access the dark web. So while this is great news, I guarantee this, like I would bet any amount of money on this, just wait until larger media companies pick up this news and all you will hear about is that it is for the dark web. It is on the Tor browser. This is just another way for people to use crypto to do illegal things. But the funny thing is, is that this is their way of paying using Bitcoin in any major retailer. Mm -hmm. And Jack went on to say that he actually has been working with legislators directly as it relates to this development. Also, he actually had partnered with Cynthia Loomis and two or three other big senators and individuals in the House of Representatives to make sure that this was fully compliant and that basically it wasn't going to get stifled within regulation. So the way that this entire thing works, it's completely compliant and it has the potential to grow retail margins. It is completely open source. So you as an individual developer at home can develop on this protocol. And it could potentially cut inflation by an individual percentage on its own overnight if people start to do actually um, adopt it because you're completely cutting out the middleman. Mm-hmm. So all of this together makes for an announcement that is bigger than all five of the prior previous stories. Right? There's oh, no... Com- completely agree. Yeah. There's no way around it. This is absolutely insane. You want my, I think the biggest piece of news in this, uh, besides him working with senators and they actually were helpful, <laughs> the, big, the biggest piece of news in this is how many food service, whether it's a grocery store or fast food, whatever, that is the biggest piece of news. You know, uh, Mark Cuban and Elon want to talk about, you know, all these very niche scenarios of, oh, yes, you can use Doge to buy a Tesla. Well, the reality is, is you buy a car and you may not buy another one for 10 or 20 years. 
Mark Cuban tried to open it up where you can go to a Dallas Mavericks game and buy tickets with Doge or I maybe use it at concessions, right? But again, you don't go to a basketball game every day. What you do do is eat every day. You go to a pharmacy a lot if you need to, if you need things. And all of those providers opening up to this, that's the big piece of news because you're going to start seeing an incredible amount of volume increase in daily Bitcoin transactions from fast food, from grocery stores, from CVS and Walgreens, etc. Far more than you would from Gucci allowing you to buy a belt with Bitcoin or Elon Musk allowing you to buy Tesla with Doge. That is, to me, the biggest piece of news. Yeah. And just because, again, I know there's going to be some listener out there that wants to tell me, oh, well, people have to do it first. Like, this is just vapor news. It's not vapor. Jack actually did a piece of his keynote where he literally cut the entire thing and played a video of himself in downtown Chicago walking into a, um, like a, a grocery and got three items off the shelf. All three of them were completely different items. And he ran three separate transactions in front of a camera. One of those transactions was Lightning Node over Tor via his Lightning Node that he runs out of his apartment. The second was via Cash App. The third was via Moon Wallet where he held up his phone and the, um, the cashier literally used the scan gun and handled the transaction. The piece of it that was most impressive is that it was all instantaneous settlement. Now, what does that really mean? Right? You need to get this through your head. Historically speaking, Settlement is not something that happens from the consumer to the business. That happens if you're doing it in cash. But in every other case where you're paying in credit, you are basically then relying on the credit card company to actually settle. Okay? It's not something that actually happens quickly. Okay? It's something that takes, you know, three to five days in some cases. Oh, yeah. I mean, credit card aside, obviously, because... You know, that works a little different where it's going to go to your account, it'll get charged, then you have to pay that back. If you were to use a debit card, right? You go, to a, you go to a gas station right now, you buy a bag of chips with your debit card. It would take probably two days minimum for that to show up in your account as actually being charged, right? The transaction may show up, but the transaction won't occur for a few days. And I know this because I look at my transaction statements quite frequently. It takes days sometimes for your account to be accurately reflective. Instantaneous settlement is incredible and is quite literally one of the purposes of cryptocurrencies initially was to create a faster method of payment and transactions without you know, a MasterCard coming in and taking 5-10% off the top, however much it is. So and- this is... Incredible. And again, you talk about them like in terms of payment innovation across the last 50 years. You, you can challenge the fact and say, like, you know, Apple was an innovator when they put out Apple Pay. The question is, really, were they? Because yeah, all they were doing is they were cloning your credit card and allowing you to pay by the use of an NFC chip that was already embedded. You have an NFC chip in your credit card right now. That's not necessarily innovation. It's just, a different way of getting to the same end goal. And that's, you know, applying it to your credit card. This is absolutely 
a disruptive move. This is something that if we start to see it actually being adopted and utilized on a global spectrum, can you imagine what people would be saying if like, essentially globally, you have the transaction rate, not just the hash rate on Bitcoin, but the transaction rate going through the roof? I mean, it's, it speaks for itself. This is going to be downplayed for oh, probably the next yeah. three, or, three or four weeks or the next two months. But you cannot deny that this actually has some insane potential for the Bitcoin network to actually become something that is used in your daily life. You, you want my ultra hot take? Do it. Even if Ethereum 2 launches without a hitch perfectly, this will be bigger news in crypto for the next five years. This is... Act- and he- hear me out. Because the entire point of cryptocurrency is this. And it exists now. And it works. You may be worried though, does this mean my credit card is obsolete? No, it isn't. And the reason it's not is because of points. And that is a good thing because, you know, as much as we all want to move towards this decentralized financial future, it's always good when there is competition. And you don't want the entirety of the old financial system at the very least, credit cards to instantly die out because of how much our daily lives are tied to credit. That being said, for small purchases, for things that you just need to quickly do something and you want to make sure that your accounts are all squared away, this is now the single best piece of technology on the planet for that. It essentially makes it so that merchants can now 100% integrate with all of the Bitcoin network. All of it. Yeah. This is... This is... Yeah, I, I, there's no way for me to like state it any other way I did. This is probably going to be the biggest piece of crypto news, certainly that we've seen from the last decade, but maybe the next decade. This is incredible. Yep, absolutely. And I think the one piece that is the hot take I can provide, if this is what they're going to do this year, I have to tell you that I think that XRP is in deep shit in the future because their entire premise is providing an open payment rail or cross-network transactions and cross-border transactions and all of that, if this goes down the way that I think it's going to go and we start to change the way that you can handle like payment wires, they're going to move that onto the Lightning Network next because that has to be the next progression. If that actually happens before we see the whole settlement of the SEC case with XRP, that entire battle is already lost. XRP will not win that. Oh, yeah. They're, XRP has their own Sorry. troubles. And yeah, I definitely to, feel for them. To be clear, I mean, like, XRP won't win the battle against Bitcoin. Yeah. I think XRP will still win this court case um, completely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like all but, all but settled, like, right now. Mm-hmm. But that's it, my take on it. I'm going to stick to it. But that has been our edition of the Aftershock this week. Um, we appreciate you sticking with us through that. I certainly did not mean to um, have to sit there and read off vendor names to you. Um, for whatever that was, that 30 or minute long increment of me. You didn't know we're a retail podcast now? We just cover different retailers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I literally just sit here and I, I list off in alphabetical order my favorite places to buy um, toilet paper when you know you can get it and it's not a pandemic. But hey, that's my, that's my terrible joke for the day. 
um, along with the show for today. So before we go, I want to remind everybody at home, again, we do this show every Wednesday here on Cryptocurrents Podcast, as well as over on the YouTube. So please do us a favor, write us a review if you're listening to us on podcast platforms, leave us a comment down below on YouTube, and make sure that you hit that like button. We want to make sure that we're getting this out in front of more people so that they can get caught up on what's going on in Web3 right now. So speaking of what's been going on in Web3 right now, Chris, do you know who we had on our interviews this week? I do. And I can tell you all right now. So today, uh, as in the day we're recording this, is April 11th. And we had Igor Plusa, who's the co-founder of Game Lounge, come to join us. Um, So if you want to go check out that project, go to gamelounge.xyz. And then this Friday, April 15th, we have Sandi Batank, the CEO of 3Air. And the topic of that podcast is on banking the next billion people, 3Air. So if you want to learn a little more about what that means, go check it out on all podcast platforms as well as our YouTube channel this Friday, April 15th. Perfect. And Chris, what can they expect from you on Crypto Crypto to Crypto this week? So interesting that we talked about a new ERC-721 token today. I'm actually going to be covering the different types of tokens this week on Crypto Decrypted. Depending on how long that video is, it may be split up and I'll cover more tokens next week. Awesome. And for those, again, that have not necessarily familiarized themselves with our editorial content, we put out brilliant new posts every single week over on crypto-current.co, where you can even pick up the latest written edition of Chris's Crypto Decrypted that he will be dropping later on this week. So until then... Please do us a big solid. Make sure that you are following the show and subscribe wherever you're getting your favorite podcasts or here on YouTube. And we will make sure that we see you next week for another edition of the Aftershock as well as the rest of our regular scheduled content. Until then, hope you have a great week. Stay cryptocurrent. Mm-hmm.